Welcome everyone, I'm Daniel Joseph and you're on the Corner Fringe. Today we're going to begin to come full circle on this series, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And we are going to do this by talking about that ever-alluring, that ever-infamous concept known as the Mark of the Beast. Now, this is a concept that has been hotly debated for centuries. This is a concept that has filled rooms with conversation. We have books. Many Christians have written books on this subject. We have Christians posting videos all the time on this subject. There's, there's something about this topic that, and in the most peculiar way, it draws us. It draws us in. It's, it's almost hypnotic, if you will. Well, in light of everything that is going on today, we have the rise of communism, we have the rise of the New World Order, we have this rise of this global pandemic. In light of everything that we see unfolding, this is a topic that we need to talk about. This is a topic that needs to be addressed because there is a lot of uncertainty in regard to this topic. There are many Christians that don't know what to think about this topic. There are other Christians that, in their mind, see things in a particular manner in regard to the mark of the beast and, and, and have uh, for, for some time. In other words, what I'm saying is, is we have all these different concepts. We have people that come out and saying, hey, the Social Security number, when the Social Security cards came out and the numbers came out, well, this is the mark of the beast. You take this, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be taking the mark or, or it's going to be a, a, a UPC symbol or a barcode of some kind. And if you take that barcode, that's the mark of the beast. If you use a computer, that's the mark of the beast. If you, if you use these new credit cards, I, rem I remember reading some commentaries on... Uh, you know, people blogging about the, the new credit cards come with these chips implanted. And of course, we have RFID chips. And, you know, how long have we been talking about these things? Uh, some Christians identifying that, well, these things have to do with the mark of the beast. And of course, you have others just saying it's going to be a tattoo. It's going to be put right on your, your right hand or it's going to go on your forehead. And then you're going to be the beast. And so we have all these, all of these various thoughts on what is it but there is one thought above them all that is being talked about today and that is the COVID-19 vaccination and so in light of all these various ideas by the grace of God and through his word we're going to we're going to attempt to bring some serious clarity to this and to build good foundation because there are things about the mark of the beast that so many Christians do not know, that they, that they can't appreciate. And these are things biblically that take the mystery out of the mark, completely take the mystery out of the mark. And it brings just this understanding, this beautiful biblical understanding that we living in the, in, in this, in the end times, embarking into tribulation, we need to have this locked and loaded. We need to understand this. And so we're going to dig into this. And the way I want to do this is, you know, today is going to be progressive in, in a sense of intensity. Uh, we're going to start off slow. I want to just lay a foundation. But with each passing moment, we will get more, it'll get more and more intense. And so stay with me today. Uh, this is going to be a longer message. I will have a follow-up message to this. Be looking for that as well. 
but with that said, let's begin. I want to take you to the book of Daniel. As you come to Daniel chapter 7, what we realize is there's, there's these four beasts that are mentioned, and, and it's just, it's, it's metaphorical for representing four kingdoms, okay? And you have the kingdom of Babylon that is mentioned, then you have the kingdom of Media, Persia, and, and then Greece and, and Rome. But here's what's interesting. As you come to Daniel chapter 8, all the focus turns to this third beast, to the kingdom of Greece. And that's where I want to take you because it's going to talk about a rise of a king. It's going to talk about the rise of an antichrist. And if we want to understand the mark of the beast, you have to understand the spirit behind the mark. The spirit driving people, alluring people, seducing, deceiving people to receive the mark. We have to understand this. We are going to be given so many riches of revelation uh, just by looking at this really, this person who is really the personification of the Antichrist. And so, uh, with that said, let's go to Daniel chapter 8, verse 5. This is what we read. And as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. Now, just as a side note, uh, the one in question here of this goat is the very same as the leopard mentioned in Daniel chapter 7. And so the players are the same. It's just different imagery. And the goat's coming across. He's not touching. If you'll notice, you go back to chapter 7. The leopard, who represents Greece, uh, has wings, has four wings on his back. He's not touching the ground. He'd be flying. And so here you have this male goat. Uh, and it's representative of the speed of the conquest. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. So he, this goat comes from across the west, across the surface of the, uh, the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Now, we're talking about the kingdom of Greece here, and we know we're talking about the kingdom of Greece. Just so you know, it's not Daniel's interpretation. I'm not reading into it. All you need to do is go later on to chapter 8, and it tells you we're talking about the kingdom of Greece. So there's no mystery as far as what we're talking about. But it, it especially puts emphasis on this notable horn. And what is this referring to? It's referring to none other than Alexander the Great. And... This is kind of incredible. I mean, people are mystified to this day. They're in awe at the fact that he is considered to be one of the greatest military leaders of all time because at 20 years old, he took the throne. And by the time he's roughly 30, he conquered the world. I mean, that, that, that's an incredible thing. This is, he, was, he was schooled and mentored by the Greek philosopher Aristotle. And, and, and the most imp incredible thing about this man's life is is that he's actually mentioned in the Bible. I've always been kind of floored by that concept. Alexander the Great is literally in uh, Scripture. Kind of fascinating. Continuing on, verse 6, we read this. Then he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious power. Again, the players are the same. The imagery is different. This ram is Media Persia. I mean, the reason it has two horns is, is because it's two kingdoms really meshed together as one. 
And so Greece, you can check your secular history books, all you go back, Greece came in and totally devastated the world power of the day. And so this is what's being described here in chapter 6, moving on to chapter uh, verse 7. Uh, and I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him. And there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Verse 8. Therefore the male goat grew very great. Ah, but listen to this. But when he became strong, the large horn was broken. And in place of it, guess what? Four notable horns came up toward the four winds of heaven. This is fascinating. Again, you can check this out in your secular history books. Upon the death of Alexander the Great, his kingdom was divided to his four generals. And those generals are known as Cassander. You have Antigonus and Seleucus and Ptolemy. These are the men that actually inherited, inherited the kingdom. And so, I mean, it's all listed out prophetically in the book of Daniel that would come to fruition uh, long after, uh, which, is, which is really amazing. Moving on to verse 9. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and towards the glorious land. In other words, what this is actually referring to when it says the glorious land, it's referring to Israel, it's referring to Judea, Jerusalem. The, the children of God, the people of God, the very people that the Lord brought out of Egypt and gave them that land to inherit. And so we're told out of one of the four horns, all of a sudden comes a little horn. And out of that, it's actually the kingdom of Seleucus. This little horn comes from. And who is this little horn? It is none other than Antiochus IV or Antiochus Epiphanes, which is to say, God manifest. This is an Antichrist. He's the very personification of Antichrist. This is a guy that we want to spend some time looking at. Because as I mentioned, when we study his modus operandi, we are going to be given a great amount of revelation. It takes a great amount of the mystery out of recognizing of whether or not you're up against the Antichrist, whether or not the mark is on its way. And so let's take a look as we continue in Daniel chapter 8. We're going to learn some things about this Antiochus Epiphanes. Daniel chapter 8, verse 10. And it grew up to the host of heaven, became great, in other words, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. Now, uh, some of the mystery of the imagery that's used here is is dealt with right within the book of Daniel. In other words, as you come to chapter 12, the righteous of God, those who are the Lord's, are likened to the stars of heaven. And I mean, and it's you don't even you can go outside the book of Daniel and you'll see this elsewhere as well. You can go to the book of Genesis and God brings Abraham out. Look up and count the stars. If you're able to number them, so shall your descendants be. And so God himself likens the descendants, the children of Abraham, which are the righteous, as the stars of heaven. And so here we're told he would go after the stars. He would go after the righteous. And he's going to kill them. 
Well, you think about the whole concept of Antichrist, what we're told in Revelation 13, the saints are going to be given over to his hand. I mean, so these concepts blend together, the reality of who the Antichrist is. This comes together, all right? Pushing ahead, verse 11, and he exalted himself as the high, as the prince of the host. Now, I want to be very clear about this and what's being conveyed here. This is a term referencing the fact that this Antichrist, this Antiochus, Epiphanes, is going to exalt himself higher than God. He is that arrogant. He is that delusional. This is his character. This is, this is one thing you would, you would expect from this individual. Continuing on. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of the sanctuary was cast down. Now, what we're looking at right here is one of the most vital points that we're going to cover today. It merits special attention. Because what do we see Antiochus, what do we see the Antichrist go after? It's the ultimate prize. He goes after the house of prayer. He goes after the house of worship. Now understand, if in fact we are living in a time where the spirit of Antichrist is going to be moving out, among us, if in fact we're in the last days, what can we expect to see? What should we see? We should see him going after the churches. We should see him going after the places of worship, the house of prayer. What do we see today? What do we see happening? We literally see this happening right now because right now churches are being forced to close. Right now churches are being banned from singing. Right now, churches are being limited from meeting. There are even particular states that are forbidding meeting for Bible studies. You can't make this stuff up. This is exactly what the Antichrist does. And so we learn this. Verse 12. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices. Now I want to talk about this a, a little bit because... I've had some people uh, comment on, on the four horsemen. Uh, and they say, Daniel, I, I'm a little confused because on one hand, at one point, you're saying, well, this is the judgment of God. I mean, I spent a good amount of time expressing that, yeah, this ties into the book of Ezekiel and clearly what we see happening with these four horsemen. Uh, this is the Lord's judgment. Yet, on the other hand, you're saying something completely different. You're saying this is the move of the Antichrist, that the Antichrist is moving across the earth right now, and we're seeing this. Well, which is it? Well, here's the thing. It's not an either-or situation. It's both. And throughout history, we, we find the precedent for this. We find example after example of this is how it is. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, the, the most obvious is thinking about the Father sending His Son to the earth to die for our sins so that we can have life. The most precious thing the universe has ever known is the, is the Father sending Jesus. Most Hands down. Without it, there's no hope. There's no life. There's no forgiveness. And so He does this, but is, is it not fascinating that how is it carried out? Do we not read in the Gospels, do we not read in John 13 that Satan, the devil himself, enters into Judas and he operates right there as an antichrist, betrays the Lord Jesus, 
and brings him to his death. He spearheaded the operation. So here you have this diabolical and evil move of the Antichrist on one end, and on the other end, you have the Lord's will being accomplished. And I could give you many, many other examples, uh, such as First Chronicles 21. It says, Satan moved David to number Israel. And yet I go to 2 Samuel 24. It says the Lord moved David to number Israel. Exact same story, exact same account, yet very different recordation. One, by, one book says, no, Satan moved him. Another book says the Lord moved him. Well, which is it? Well, it wasn't, which, it's not an either or, it's both. I mean, we could, we could look at example after example. You think of the destruction of the first temple. It was the Lord's will because of transgression, exactly what we see being said here. Because of transgression, the Lord brings in who? The most diabolical, evil, Satan-worshipping nation you could imagine. The Babylonians filled with witchcraft and immorality and every vile thing. He brings them in to accomplish the job. And so you just got to understand this, this is how we see in history, this is how the Lord works. And so it's, it's not an either or situation, but continuing on, we read this. And he cast truth to the ground and he did all this and prospered. Now, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he will not tolerate morality. He will not tolerate truth. Truth actually becomes the enemy. Truth is portrayed as the problem, not the solution. He is intolerant towards it. And so he's going to go after it and he's going to elevate lies. He's going to elevate deception. He will elevate immorality. He will elevate sin. He will do all these things. This is, this is what we need to be looking for. Now, I want to build on this, and I want to take this to a whole nother level, because here we are in this book of Daniel prophesying. Remember, this is prophecy about this Antichrist that would come. And, and the most incredible aspect about this is that in the second century, what Daniel prophesied in Daniel chapter 8 absolutely came to pass. Second century BC, with this rise of Antiochus Epiphanes. And we have it recorded for us today. It's recorded in what is known the Apocrypha or the, the book of the Maccabees. And if if you're not familiar with the Apocrypha, um, it's an extra canonical, considered extra canonical today, meaning outside of uh, the, you know, the 66 books of the Bible, uh, what we deem holy and inspired, and indeed it is. Um, but I think an interesting point to note is that the Apocrypha number one, uh, since its inception, and I'm talking in the early church, this was something that was studied. We find some of the books of the Apocrypha were actually in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so it was, uh, uh, you know, a collection of works that was absolutely read. It was studied. Um, I can even do better than that. As you look at probably the most famous Protestant Bible that has ever existed, the King James 1611. When that came out, the Apocrypha was included in it. Uh, the Catholic Bible still includes the Apocrypha. And so uh, 
needless to say, there's a lot of people that have clung to this. In fact, it's worth sharing uh, Martin Luther's comments on it. He actually says, Maccabees has weight with the faithful, but it avails nothing with the obstinate. Well, here's the thing. I want to take you to this book. I want to show you the actual fulfillment of what Daniel prophesied because we are going to get an eyeful of exactly what to expect when Antichrist comes to town. And I want to begin in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verse 41. Uh, we read this. Then the king wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people. Now I want you to think about this. All are to be one people. Does that sound familiar at all? Because the cry today is for all to be one people. The new world order is an order to unify the entire world. That's what the UN is about, hence United Nations. I mean, we were actually seeing this. And what's interesting is uh, when you look at the Tower of Babel, this was a moment in a time, here's a snapshot like what we're reading in Maccabees right now, where there was a call for everyone to become one people and to come together and work together. But here's what's interesting. They were not working for good. The whole concept of building a tower was to rebel against God. God had flooded the earth. And in response to that, these people had come together and said, we're not going to be judged by God. We're not going to submit to him. And we don't want to face his judgment. So we're going to rebel. And we're going to work outside of his commandments. We're going to work outside the parameters of judgment. And so let us come together and let's build this. And it's so fascinating. This is what prompted the Lord's coming. This is what prompted him to come back down and to confuse their language. And what I'm going to tell you right now is that when you see this rise of this new world order to do the same thing that we see in Genesis 11 with this Tower of Babel and the same thing that is being called upon in the book of Maccabees with this Antichrist, Antiochus Epiphanes, I'm telling you, we're seeing it today. This is not a coincidence. This is, this is a literal move of the Antichrist. Now, continuing on. And that all should give up their particular customs. In other words, you've got to abandon your way of life. You've got to abandon your faith. You've you got to compromise your morals. You have to yield to the new world order. So when the Antichrist comes to town, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be new mandates that are going to be managed. There's going to be new laws that you're going to have to follow. And of course, they're going to be betrayed. They're going to be portrayed as, oh, this is in the best interest of the people. Oh, the, this is for humanity. Oh, the children. This is how it's going to be presented. It's not going to be presented as something diabolically evil leading the entire world off a cliff. It's actually going to be presented the exact opposite way. Why? Because Satan is a liar and he is the father of of it. Now, continuing on in verse 43, all the Gentiles accepted the command of the king, and many, even from Israel, gladly adopted his religion. Uh, that's what scares me about this whole thing, is that he is cunning, he is convincing, he is alluring. People are going to be taken, even those who would be in the arena of God's children. 
There is even, so we see in this day, Antiochus came on the scene and these, there was Jews who forsook their faith to acquiesce to his demands. That is frightening. And, you know, the New Testament is filled with that reality that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. We were warned about this, and that's why Yeshua says, beware of false prophets. Well, the false prophets were running around. They weren't running around talking about other gods. They're running around proclaiming the name of Jesus. And so, you know, Satan comes as an angel of light, his ministers as ministers of righteousness. Absolutely terrifying. They sacrificed to idols and profaned the Sabbath, something that was absolutely vital to walking with God, vital with confessing him as Lord of heaven and earth. We're told in Scripture that the Sabbath is given to them as a mark, as a sign that they might know that he is their God that sanctifies them. He is the one that set them apart. Verse 44 and the king sent letters by messengers to Jerusalem and the towns of Judah. And then get this, I'll highlight this. He directed them to follow customs strange to the land. Look around you right now. Let me ask you, is anything like this happening right now? Are there strange edicts, strange mandates being given that are turning and flipping our world upside down? I mean, we could talk about the mass crazy. We can talk about, you know, being imprisoned and having all these lockdowns and businesses being forced to close. We can talk about all that. But the thing that really fascinates me is what's happening to the church. Churches being forced to close. Churches being banned from singing. Our own women's ministry just recently was going to have a retreat in this building, and they can't do it because the building said, well, you can come, but you can't sing. This is demonic. What we see happening right now is absolutely demonic. It has got the Antichrist fingerprints all over it. We know his mode of operation. We have a literal personification here that we're reading about what he did. And we're literally experiencing it as we speak. I mean, look at these headlines. Fauci attacks choirs, church choirs, implies worship is less important than protest. Now, why would that be? See, because praising Jesus does not cultivate the new world order. That's why. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. What about this? Chicago mayor mounts police raid on church's Sunday service. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Sunday, she's at it again, launched a police raid on a predominantly black church for holding services in defiance of her coronavirus shutdown orders. God bless that church because they defied her orders. Because they're going to go to church, continuing on. Lightfoot allegedly dispatched three marked squad cars and two unmarked police vehicles full of officers to Chicago Cornerstone Baptist Church in the South Side's Woodland, uh, Woodlawn neighborhood. And in the following, I'm going to continue in this, but the following is actually a quote from past, the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church. 
His name's uh, Pastor Lewis, Courtney Lewis. This is what he says. Listen to this. This is amazing. We are trying to follow the laws of man as much as reasonably possible. But when the laws of man conflict with the laws of God, I, as a pastor, have a duty to follow the laws of God, Lewis wrote in a letter to Lausch. We will not be intimidated by this overhanded government bully, but we are requesting the assistance of our president and our justice department in correcting this grave miscarriage of the law. Here's the thing. And Pastor Lewis is experiencing this firsthand. Lori Lightfoot is attempting to promote the New World Order. There's no place for the church in that order. There never was. There was no place in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes as he's moving out. He's a personified Antichrist. He's moving out. That stuff stops. That stuff has to be shut down immediately because they cannot cohabit with one another. Moving on, 1 Maccabees 1, verse 50. And he added, And whoever does not obey the command of the king shall die. One of the things you're going to notice when Antichrist comes to town, it is a do this or else mentality. This is what happens. You will do what I say or you will be punished. You will pay dearly, maybe even death. Again, I ask you, do you see that kind of spirit engulfing this country actually sweeping across the world right now? And the answer is absolutely. There's no question about it. Jumping ahead to verse 51. In such words, he wrote to his whole kingdom. He appointed inspectors over all the people and commanded the towns of Judah to offer sacrifice town by town. Isn't that fascinating? He immediately, when he wants to implement his agenda, he's going to, his agenda, he's going to start implementing officers. He's going to start implementing inspectors. Uh, Second Maccabees records it this way. He left governors to oppress the people. Inspectors, governors, rulers, authorities, and powers getting implemented to what? His agenda to oppress the people. What are we seeing today? Because we're seeing governors all across this country right now. These left-leaning, radical, liberal governors are absolutely doing the work of the Antichrist. They're doing the work of the New World Order. They're trying to make the kingdom all become one, trying to tear down the United States of America so that it can become part of the UN uh, in a way that it has never been a part of it before. We're on the Security Council. I get that very much. But what is happening right now is absolutely prophetic. I mean, it is astounding to see that this has played out before. All right? Moving on, verse 46. To defile the sanctuary and the priests. Again, I'm going to tell you right now, the heartbeat of the Antichrist is this. He's coming after the churches. He's coming after the house of worship. The, the house of of prayer. It is the Antichrist. It is literally his grand prize. And what is his object? His object is not simply to come in and control. His object is to come in, defile, desecrate, and leave it for dead. That's, that's the object here. And if you think this just means buildings, 
It just refers to brick and mortar. You would be wrong. Because we read Paul's letter uh, to the Corinthians, and he tells us, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Okay, so if this is true, and we already know that the grand prize for the Antichrist is, in fact, to defile the temple of God, what do you think the Antichrist is going to do to you? What do you think he's going to try to do to you? You think he's going to try to come and defile your temple, to desecrate it, as he did back in the second century BC? You better believe it. Absolutely. And see, this is where we're going to begin to talk about this vaccination, this COVID-19 vaccination, and whether or not this could potentially be a candidate for the mark of the beast. I mean, because again, obviously we, we have Christians all over the map on this. We have Christians that are out there blogging right now saying, this is the mark of the beast. And you have others saying, well, that's actually ridiculous. This is definitely not the mark of the beast. You guys are, are, are a bunch of paranoid, schizophrenic weirdos. And we've seen this so many times. The social security number is the mark of the beast. Oh yeah, you know, tattoos are going to be the mark of the beast. All computers are the mark of the beast. You know, we're in a generation right now that there's a lot of people that are tired of hearing it. Tired to hear the, the, the newest, latest fad of what, what is going to be the mark of the beast. And you know what? Fair enough. But having said that, make no mistake, this vaccination is absolutely worth investigating. And in the context of the mark of the beast, so that we can throw it in the garbage if it needs to. But we've never seen anything like this. And at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you need to stay with me to the end because I'm going to take this so much deeper uh, than simply talking about a vaccination, whether or not it's a legitimate candidate for the mark of the beast. This topic transcends that and and that will make sense to you as we go so you got to finish this out to the end but i will say this this is something that needs to be taken seriously if nothing else we need to take this seriously and it needs to be investigated and so what i want to do is i actually want to bring four legitimate points to the table and the first point is this and i'll put this up here for you there's already talk about forced vaccinations. Now, here's the thing. If COVID-19 vaccination is, in fact, if this is in any way the work of the Antichrist, one of the things that we would expect to see if this was going to be the mark of the beast or anything like that, I would expect it to be forced because it that's the mentality. It's you do this or else. This is the Antichrist mentality, so this would have to exist. It's, it's not something, you know, you look at vaccinations have been around forever, right? And, but vaccinations have never been given globally. Oh, no, no, no. There's just pockets, parts, different parts of the world receiving the vaccination. But with the COVID-19 vaccination, this one is to be given to the world. This is not pockets, which, which is fascinating. I want to read to you an article uh, in regard to forced vaccinations, which is absolutely vital in looking at this information. And the article comes out of USA Today, and it's actually co-authored by doctors, all right? 
And the headline reads, defeat COVID-19 by requiring vaccination for all. It's not un-American. Oh, it's patriotic. Isn't that exciting? Everybody get your American flags out and start waving them as you're standing in line to get your vaccination. I mean, this is, this is, this is how it's being touted. This thing is dripping with demonic tongue. And you'll see this as we continue. Make vaccines free. Don't allow religious or personal objections. And create disincentives. Again, do you see? When, when we're looking for the spirit of Antichrist, it's a, it's a do this or else. You understand? Create disincentives for those who refuse vaccines shown to be safe and effective, which that's a whole nother conversation. Is this serious? If they're so safe and effective, then please remove the indemnification laws that exist upon these companies. Okay? I mean, honestly. Continuing on. To win the war against the novel coronavirus that has killed nearly 163,000 people in this country, the only answer is compulsory vaccination for all of us. That's the only option. When Antiochus Epiphanes rolled into town in the second century, this is exactly what he presented. This is your only option, is to acquiesce to our ways, to our ways of life. Nothing else is going to be acceptable. And while the measures that will be necessary to defeat the coronavirus will seem draconian, no kidding, even anti-American to some, absolutely. We believe that there is no alternative. And there's no other chance. There's no other hope. This is the only answer. Simply put, getting vaccinated is going to be our patriotic duty. <laughs> you can't help but laugh. Broad induction of immunity in the population by immunization will be necessary to end this pandemic. In simple terms, a refusal to be vaccinated threatens the lives of of others. Moving on, disincentives for non-compliance. Here's what America must do when a vaccine is ready. Make vaccinations free and easily accessible. Exempt only those with medical uh, contraindications to immunization. Do not honor religious objections. You see this? Just because your faith that's not a reason. That's not good enough. The major religions, according to this article, do not officially oppose vaccinations. Well, we'll see about that today because I, I, I would uh, oppose that uh, statement. Do not allow objections for personal preference, which violate the social contract. In other words, think about the children. Don't be so selfish as a human being and only think about yourself. You got to think about the well-being of others. You got to think about everyone. You got to think about grandma. If you don't do this, you're killing everyone. This is the mentality that we're being sold. Continuing. How can government and society ensure compliance with per, uh, protective vaccines? Ah, vaccine refusers could lose tax credits or be denied non-essential government benefits Health insurers could levy higher premiums for those who, by refusing immunization, place themselves and others at risk, as is the case for smokers. You have private businesses could refuse to employ 
or serve unvaccinated individuals. Schools could refuse to allow unimmunized children to attend classes, public and commercial transit companies, airlines, trains, and buses could exclude refusers. Public and private auditoriums could require evidence of immunization for entry. In other words, guess what? You don't get immunized, you will lose your ability to function in society. Literally, every facet of society is going to be blanketed. Hey, if you don't do this, you don't get to walk down the street. If you don't do this, you don't get to go in a building. Oh, you don't get to buy and sell. What did Revelation say? He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Again, I'm going to tell you right now, if in fact the vaccination, this COVID-19 vaccination, is even a potential candidate, it would have to include the rhetoric that we are literally here right now being sold to the public today through publications that if you don't take this, you're virtually not going to, you're going to be locked out of society. You're not going to be able to buy or sell. A point worthy of note in, in regard to this. Listen to this. 2,700 evangelicals war are warned against politicizing coronavirus, urge Christians to take vaccine. Now, that's not a misprint, just so you know. That headline is literally coming out and saying evangelicals are now going to spearhead this. They're going to run a campaign convincing all the other Christians, hey, you need to do this now. Let me in. I'll let you in on a little secret. Many times before Israel's destruction, and we've talked about this, when the spirit of Antichrist comes to town, do you know what happens? Do you understand what takes place? What takes place is the false prophets start combing the land and telling the people, you will have peace even though you follow the dictates of your own heart. In the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, the false prophets went out and they convinced their own Jewish brethren, no, no, give in, acquiesce to the king's commands, and we'll all be fine. You can read the story, unfortunately we don't have time today, but you can read the entire story, blow your mind to see exactly what happened in the second century BC is literally happening right before our eyes. Unbelievable. Now, continuing on in this article, a coalition of more than 2,700 high-profile evangelicals spanning the fields of science and religion have signed on to a statement billed a Christian statement on science for pandemic times, which warns against the politicization of the new coronavirus and urges Christians to take appropriate action against it, including taking a vaccine when it's ready. And then here's the call. We call on all Christians to follow the advice of public health experts and support scientists doing crucial biomedical research on COVID-19. Well, isn't that just comforting? We can all be comforted now because our Christian brothers are coming to the front lines and they're bringing clarity to the table. Well, here's the deal. Move the whole concept of the mark of the beast aside, whether or not this is a potential candidate. Move that aside. There's issues with safety in regard to this. 
I mean, real issues that we should be concerned about a vaccine being developed faster than it's ever been developed in the history of the world. We've never attempted to do something like this. And we still haven't mastered the vaccines. We've been at it with the flu shot for decades. And it still is not working the way it should. In fact, many people that had the flu shot, they get the flu. And so that aside, when you have Christians doing this, this is a concern to me. Moving on to our second point that I want to make out of the four points in regard to this COVID-19 vaccination potentially being a candidate. H.R. Bill 6666. Now, you look at this and you just, you can't make this stuff up. Now, I, I want to be clear on something, okay? Just because something is labeled 6666 or even 666, yeah, that is not a point I necessarily take seriously at all. I mean, just I, I saw a car driving down the road the other day uh, with the license plate 666 on it. Uh, that doesn't mean that the driver is the Antichrist. I mean, there's no logic being used there whatsoever. Uh, it's a very dangerous way uh, to try to prescribe uh, your understanding of es eschatology or understanding in regard to the mark of the beast. Uh, so I, I just want to open up with that because it's called 6666. Um, that doesn't sway me one way or another. This is not evidence for me. However, the fact that it is called 6666 and knowing what the bill pertains to, well, now that's a different story. Now this catches my attention. Now I'm going to take this seriously. Now, if this was a bill that said 6666 and it was a bill to move to ban abortion, guess what? I'm going to come and say, hallelujah, let's pass this bill. As weird as it sounds, it's got the number 6666. I mean, that's concerning, but uh, this is a great bill. That is not the case with this bill. I want to share a couple clips with you, kind of give you a, a perspective on this bill. Uh and the first clip is is kind of really designed to give you uh, the warm fuzzies, to give you just that that warm, beautiful, sit by a fire with a hot cup of cocoa feeling, uh, if you will. But check out this video. This is where it all starts. Ominous numbers assigned to the Trace Act or House Resolution 6666. Theologians associate the triple six with the mark of the beast. It's from a Bible passage in the book of Revelations identifying the Antichrist or evil. How in the world did this get the number 6666? That's a good question. You know, um, the number and the timing of the number um, even calls me concerns, but uh, the numbers are se uh, selected sequentially. Indiana Congressman Andre Carson is one of 58 co-sponsors. The bill was introduced by Illinois Democrat Bobby Rush on May 1st. It quickly came under attack. You have COVID-19, and so to protect your child, we're going to take that child. Or we're going to take your grandmother or your father or you and put you into quarantine. There are rumors that folks would be quarantined um, in, in camps like the Japanese internment camps, not to mention the Tuskegee experiment that was conducted by public health officials on African-Americans, folks having suspicions against the government, understandably so. 
But the TRACE Act doesn't do such a thing. In fact, it provides resources uh, to better help COVID-19 uh, patients uh, uh, quarantine themselves in their own homes. Okay, so what this does, and I, and I have this uh, House resolution. I have a copy of it. I've read through it many times now. And notice what he said at this at the end here, he says, oh, what this, all this does, and keep in mind, this $100 billion they're asking, $100 billion they're asking for to help quarantine you in your own house, to help facilitate that? See, that's what that's about? Since when do we need $100 billion and a whole new force of enforcement to come in and help you quarantine in your own house? homes that is disturbing to me the way the bill is written is disturbing let me play this next clip one key aspect of fighting the spread of the virus is tracking down those who've had contact with someone who's infected news channel reporter senator de los santos spoke with ventura county health experts about plans to beef up what's known as contact tracing that's right, contact tracing is not a new effort for Ventura County. The health department has been doing it since the virus broke out, but now public health is expanding its efforts in a major way. We want to make sure when we're calling them, it's only supportive, it's only to, to help them. Ventura County Public Health is in the process of training 60 new contact tracers. That's triple the number from just a month ago. I believe one public health nurse with 10 contact tracers we're going to work together as a team to make sure that each positive uh, COVID case in Ventura County. Every time there is a positive COVID-19 lab test, it's reported directly to the Ventura County Public Health Department. Public health nurse interview each positive lab. During that interview, we will find out who lives in the house. We will find out if they're working. We will ask them if they've been out. The contact tracers will then get in contact with anyone who has been exposed. Then they will ask them to monitor themselves, checking their temperature twice a day. Contact investigators reach out in several ways, including calling and making home visits. And if it's someone that is refusing, we will definitely consult with our health officer uh, to, to look into next steps. The person who originally tested positive stays in isolation for 14 days. Ventura County will provide a free hotel room and meals if patients can't easily isolate. Or if we determine that there might be a high risk family members such as a senior. We have a special housing program that we can offer them. The Public Health Department is following the CDC guidelines when it comes to contact tracing, and that goes as far as training its staff members. In Oxnard, News Channel reporter Senere De Los Santos. There were so many issues with that video. I don't even know where to begin. From beginning to end, that was incredibly alarming. I mean, so they're going to have one nurse for every 10 contact tracers. They're, they're literally developing this team of contact tracers. And you know what? They're going to come out and they're coming to your house. And you know what? They're going to interview you, investigate you. They're going to find out what you're doing. Where are you going? Oh, and I love the one who lives here. Who is in this house? I think to myself, why are you asking? Are you asking if there's Jews here? I mean, I've heard this rhetoric before. I mean, this sounds like Nazi Germany. 
this this kind of this kind of activity and, and going to the market like there are in, as far as involving citizens. And, and, and then the, the video said, talked about refusing. And you heard the gentleman, well, if they refuse, then basically, well, then you know what, we'll, we'll go back to our higher up and we'll, we'll take care of that. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and then of course you have the little aspect, the ones that they deem high risk, well, we'll offer in an alternative place. I had the first problem is, is they're the ones determining who's high risk and then where are they going? Doesn't say. Nobody knows. Nothing is to say that wherever that location can't change. I mean, there's so many issues with this. You should move the mark of the beast aside, move everything, move everything religious aside just for a moment. I mean, this is my primary concern. But let's just look at this logically. No one in their right mind who's ever studied history of communism or Nazi Germany can look at this and go, wow, this is an, ama- this is an amazing way to, great game plan, guys. This is absolutely amazing. It's the exact opposite. This should be terrifying. I want to read to you a portion of H.R. 6666. This is what it says. Applicants that agree in hiring individuals to carry out activities funded under this section to hire residents of the area or community where the activities will primarily occur. Okay, so when I say this sounds eerily like Nazi Germany, I'm not kidding you. you. You do understand that what the Germans did is they actually turned regular civilians into killing machines. There's, a, there's an amazing interview, and it's actually more of a video type of interview documentary type of thing on the Holocaust. Uh, really fascinating. And uh, a couple people on the panel, one of them was Dr. Wendy Lohr, and a brilliant historian and just does a phenomenal job talking about the Holocaust. One of the things that she brings to the table is this very thing in regard to the Holocaust. I, I want you to hear her comments. Now keep in mind, this: she's talking about the Nazis and what they did. Check this out. Yeah, I think that um, in comparing my work to, to Chris, Chris Browning's, um, who focuses on the male perpetrators who are primarily in uniform, so mobilized as part of the war effort with regular police forces, or um, we know the Wehrmacht was heavily implicated in the Holocaust, and obviously the SS um, agencies were the prime executors of it. Um, but when you understand the Holocaust, all the uh, parts of, of the different roles people play, that, that it's a social phenomenon, that genocide is a social practice, an entire society is mobilized, men, women, and children, um, and, in, and especially in this case of what they understood to be a total war against Judeo-Bolshevism, um, that that would then entail, you know, bringing women in their traditional roles, kind of aligning them with what's necessary, right? So nurses, secretaries, teachers, all of the kind of quote-unquote female professions that were instrumentalized to wage this war and to carry out this genocide. Did you hear that? I mean, we're literally implementing what Nazi Germany implemented to eradicate the Jews. And of course, you know, many Jews were medically experimented on, ironically enough, uh, in horrific ways. 
And so when, when you look at this bill of H.R. 6666, it's not simply the 6666 that is some revelation and determining factor that, hey, man, oh, yeah, now, now we know this is all about the mark of the beast. Look at the bill. Look at what it's asking to do. Look at what it's asking to fund. This is not a joke. I mean, this has got the Antichrist fingerprints all over it. I mean, we've seen different parts of history where the Antichrist move, and make no mistake, Hitler was one of them. Nazi Germany is a prototype of how the Antichrist moves and how sophisticated he becomes at eradicating the people of God. It is absolutely diabolical. And so a point worth considering when looking at the COVID-19 project, as I'll call it, or the vaccination, whether that should be considered at least as a potential candidate. All right? Third point I want to make is this. COVID-19 vaccination is not intended for limited use. Now, what do I mean by that? Again, it's going back to the statement I already made. It's... Historically, there's different pockets that were of the earth that would receive vaccinations depending on what they're dealing with and what's going on. Not this vaccination. No, this vaccination, and this is such a critical point, is intended for the entire world. Again, I tell you, unprecedented. It really is. Check this out. The most urgent invention in the world right now is a vaccine that prevents you from getting COVID-19. So the Gates Foundation, along with a great number of partners, are looking at these different efforts. We've never created a new vaccine in less than five years. So this is urgent, and it's going to require incredible collaboration. It's going to have to go to 7 billion people. And so there you have it, uh, right from Bill Gates himself. The intent here is the entire world. It's got to go out to 7 billion people. Is this a point that needs to be noted? Absolutely, when considering this. Remember what Revelation 13, 16 says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. In other words, when the Antichrist comes down, according to Revelation, it's not going to be pocketed. It's not going to be limited to oh, 40 countries or whatever. It's going to be the entire world. This is the first thing. We've never seen anything like this. We've never seen any attempt at this level before in history where the entire world is everyone's going to get this shot. A point we need to consider seriously. Check this out. I'll play this clip real quick before we move And then the final solution, uh, which is a year to two years off, is the vaccines. The final solution was the Nazi plan for the genocides of Jews during World War II. How could it be possible that Bill Gates is unaware of the significant, sensitive, and well-known phrase, the final solution? He isn't, as he knows exactly what he is doing. Uh, just to head off the conspiracy theorists, maybe we shouldn't call the vaccine the final solution. Yes, maybe we should not call it the final solution. Uh, uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, that was the very terminology that was used by Hitler and eradicating, oh, again, the Jewish people, the people of God. The very, 
it's getting ridiculous with this vaccine. And this is why it's, it's garnering so much attention because when you start to dissect what is actually happening, what's being propagated, what's being developed, what's being said from even Bill Gates himself, you have to stand back and go, okay, this is, it's getting real. Now this is getting real. Fourth point I want to make is this. What's in the vaccine? I mean, for me, the ingredients matter. The fact that there are COVID-19 vaccines being developed right now that include even the mRNA, these, these genetically potentially modifying uh, agents coming in and modifying your DNA, creating what we don't know. I mean, we're this vaccine, here's what's so fascinating, this vaccine that's being developed is reaching heights that we've never went to before. Medically, te- technologically, we're introducing something into uh, a human being we've never done. Again, is, is that significant for me? There's no question about it. Absolutely. But there's a lot more to this. Because there's a lot more things that are being found in these vaccines. I want to share with you just a short clip of Dr. Teresa Desher. Brilliant brilliant doctor. Uh, She is a cut above the rest. She's testifying in this video. Listen to what she says. Based on the research we have done, perhaps as many as 3% of parents decline vaccines primarily due to the use of human fetal cells in the manufacturing. The viruses for the chickenpox and the hepatitis A vaccines are manufactured in the MRC5 cell line which was derived from a normal three-and-a-half-month male fetus, while the rubella virus in the MMR2 vaccine is manufactured in the WI38 cell line, which was derived from a normal three-month female fetus. In taking on the mission to provide alternative vaccines to those who object to the use of human fetal cell lines for vaccine production on a moral basis, we began to study the literature surrounding vaccines. The vaccine autism controversy is difficult to miss, and simply reading the published literature should immediately arouse curiosity in a fresh and objective perspective mind. Firstly, even in the publications that claim no link between MMR and autism, there is an evident autism change point in 1988. The authors dismissed the link between autism and the MMR vaccine in these publications because, as they point out, vaccine compliance was already well over 95% in the UK before 1988. However, what the authors documented on page 4, the top right, which is Appendix L of our binders, but failed to investigate was that the MMR vaccine used in the UK was switched in 1988 and 1989. Prior to 1988, the MR, MMR in the UK was produced in animal cell lines, and in 1988 and 1989, three new MMRs replaced that original MMR, all of which use human fetal cell lines for the production of at least one of the viruses contained in the MMR. Having worked in commercial biotechnology and clinical development programs, I was aware of the residuals that would be found in vaccines, and having also worked with homologous recombination and molecular biology, I was also aware that the human fetal DNA introduced in vaccines has the potential to elicit autoimmune responses or to incorporate into the recipient's own genes 
and disrupt normal protein production. Inflection points, change points, are clear by eye in U.S. autism prevalence data from the Department of Education, as well as from the California Department of Developmental Services. This intriguing and perplexing visual assessment of U.S. autism prevalence, together with publications on autism rates in the U.K., led Sound Choice to more fully investigate. What we have found is that across continents and across decades, changes in autism disorder, not considering autism spectrum, but only autism disorder, are clearly associated with the introduction of vaccines produced using human fetal cell lines. Absolutely mind-blowing. If you caught the gist of what she just said, prior to 1988, they're using animal cell lines to develop these vaccines. Post that, they started using aborted fetal tissue cell lines. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, bad choice of term, but all of a sudden, children started developing issues of what she pointed out, one of which is autism. Um, absolutely incredible. The real thing that I want to talk about is the MRC5 or the WI38. The fact that these things are in multiple vaccines. They're in vaccines all over the place. And the, the word on the street is, is that these vaccines that are being developed for the COVID-19 project, if you will, carry these MRC5s or these WI38s. And in other words, the ingredients, what's in the ingredient when this thing finally gets developed and there's multiple companies involved and I, I suspect it will not come from one company alone. But at the end of the day, what you need to discover, what you need to find out is what is in the vaccine. I want to know the ingredients. Because you cannot put children that have been sacrificed, these aborted fetal cells that, that, where these vaccines are being cultivated and developed in these cell lines, you cannot put that in your body and walk away feeling good. This is a huge thing for me because what we literally see happening here, uh, what you just heard being testified in this video is absolutely demonic. But it goes beyond that. Unfortunately, it goes beyond just the MRC5s and the WI38s. It goes beyond that. There's more ungodliness involved in this vaccine. I'm going to replay this clip that I played long ago, but this is Dr. Judy Mikovits. Listen carefully to what she says because it pertains to what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. And do you know anything about the uh, idea, and I believe that it's been reported pretty widely in the independent press, that aborted fetus tissue is sometimes used to develop vaccines? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There are at least two and, and many more um, uh, aborted fetal tissue cell lines um, in, in many of the vaccines on the infant and in childhood schedule. Um, it, it, that's how you um, grow the antigen or the microbial agent, is they grow it in aborted fetal tissues. There's one called MRC5, another a cell line called WI38. Um, uh, and, and we use those cell lines, and I say we, because that was what I used to do in the lab, um, because they, they are... 
Um, they, they don't have fully developed immune mechanisms in the cell line, so they become little virus factories. They divide like mad and they grow things like mad, um, and not just aborted fetal tissue cell lines, but cow blood, pig blood, um, cells from um, Vero monkey kidney cells is where we grow currently our um, polio vaccines. So we're putting relatives of um, HIV, that simian immune deficient monkeys. We're putting SV40, um, um, a, a simian virus 40 um, associated with lung cancers. And we've been doing it from, you know, for, um, you know, since the 1930s when we passed these, uh, when we passed these, you have to grow a virus in an, an in a small animal and, and, and small animals are very expensive. So we develop cell lines and they're little virus factories. So we used to pass, um, the meso, the polio, um, virus, the enterovirus, um, through mouse brains. And, and that's described in our first book, Plague, in great detail in chapter five. And those, of course, were the first cases of autism and, and CFS in this country. And there was literally a silencing as all the doctors, nurses, and not all, but doctors, nurses, families became infected and they were paid off to what today's numbers would be $6 million to cover up you know, how in fact these animal viruses get into humans. And, you know, it's called xenotransplantation since the national, um, since the vaccine program was started in the, in the late nineties by um, then head of the NIH, uh, Harold Varmus. Um, we do xenotransplantation. We inject these things directly into the elderly and into our children. Um, and literally they have compromised immune system because they're either not developed compromised detox machinery and 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 basically it's driving the plague of chronic disease and cancer we see in our world today so there you have it pharmaceutical industries have um patients from birth to death and people are dying a lot sooner and um that of course appears to be the goal man you listen to Everything, no, it doesn't matter how many times I listen to this video, it doesn't get easier for me. But you listen to everything that she lists out. You, all these things that she said, the aborted fetal tissue, cow blood, pig blood, monkey kidney cells, mouse brain. None of these things, and this is what's so vitally important. None of these things, as you see all of these different vaccinations are being developed in these things. You cannot put these things in your body biblically. Biblically speaking, you can read Leviticus 11, you read Deuteronomy 14. Nothing about this can come into your very being. It would totally corrupt the temple of God. Things which are abominable, things that have been deemed unclean, literally coming into the temple, it defiles it. It leaves it desolate. And so... We have a problem, and so as we're as we're as we're looking at this uh, COVID nineteen as this potential you know candidate for the mark of the beast, uh, this is something you need to consider is the ingredients. Now I want to take this a step further, and I want to take you to Acts fifteen, and in Acts fifteen, it's about Pharisaical Jews who believe in Jesus telling these Gentiles who are being grafted into Israel through faith in Jesus, they're coming in 
to the body of Christ or coming into the faith, well, these these particular believing Pharisees were arguing with Paul and Barnabas over the fact that they can't be saved unless they're circumcised. And it becomes so contentious that they have to go up to Jerusalem to deal with the matter. And the, the, the new Sanhedrin, as I call it, the apostles, they gather together to, to put this thing uh, to rest because it's so hotly debated and it's causing so much confusion, which it shouldn't be because you, you think of Colossians 2.11, all these Gentiles who are coming into the faith were circumcised. Colossians 2.11 says they were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. And so this is what Paul and Barnabas knew. This is why they debated this issue. This is why Peter debated even this issue uh, on behalf of the Gentiles, that it wasn't required for them to become circumcised. And so the matter gets taken up. Then James renders a verdict. Okay, he's the Nazi of the court. He's the prince of the court. And this is what he says in Acts 15, verse 19, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. Notice anything interesting about these things. Now, here's, here's the thing. I, there's no commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing from the Ten Commandments, listing the Ten Commandments out here, that you're not to have any other gods before him. There, nothing like that. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, not, none of this is listed. It's only these four things. And it wasn't that you weren't to keep the Ten Commandments, because that Paul is abundantly clear as you continue in his epistles, such as, you know, Romans, etc. That that's made it clear. There's no question about that, that we're supposed to do that stuff. But these things, before anything else, were laid down. These things the Gentiles had to immediately embrace. And you notice What's interesting about three out of four of these, these are all food laws. Every one of these things, whether I'm talking about the blood, uh, we're talking about blood of animals, whether we're talking about things strangled, whether we're talking about food or meat that was offered to idols, every one of these is a food law. In fact, these are what I would call the gatekeepers of the totality of the food law. In other words, these specific things describe how clean food becomes defiled. And when I say clean food, food that's listed in Leviticus 11, food that's listed in Deuteronomy 14, there God makes a distinction between animals that are clean and animals that are not clean. He actually makes a distinction long before then, he, back in the days of Noah, the distinction was made. Okay, a cow is a clean animal. A pig is not a clean animal. You're not supposed to eat pig. And many, many Christians are, are waking up to this, that that is an abomination, okay? Well, stay with me for a second and, and hear me out here. These things that are being asked of the Gentile Christians being grafted into the faith are dealing with how clean food becomes defiled, the first being blood. So if I have a cow, even though the cow is clean, and even according to Scripture, I can receive that food with thanksgiving. I can't eat its blood. It's off limits. Or if I have a cow that 
was not where the blood was not drained and I'm eating the meat with the blood. That's out of limits. That's that's to be considered an abomination. And then, of course, last but not least, you have food sacrificed to idols. Now, here's what's really interesting. You could have a cow that's totally clean and had been sacrificed properly where his blood is poured out and the blood has all been drained and there's no meat being eaten with the blood. Everything's good. If that meat, which God created to be received with thanksgiving, is offered to an idol, it is now unclean. It is to be considered an abomination. We are not to consume that. Now, again, asking the question, what is it about these Why these commandments, these food laws, specifically that really it's the food pyramid, and sexual immorality, why were these things implemented before anything else? What is it about these? Well, the Apostle Paul answers this question in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. He says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality, oh, sins against his own body. Do you understand that? That's why we're actually looking at these food laws. That's why these food laws, they come into the temple. That's why sexual immorality is immediately, that has to be, so if you're engaged in in fornication or some same-sex marriage, that stuff has to stop immediately. I can no longer eat food that is sacrificed to idols or eat the blood of these clean animals. I can't bring that which is unclean into the holy temple of God. And so this is what they knew. They, you know, Judgment begins at the house of God. And so that purity, that holiness to retain that so the Spirit dwells within these Gentiles who are coming into the faith of Jesus so that they can continue in their journey with the Lord and continuing to learn and to be challenged and all those beautiful things that go through that, these things have to be dealt with before anything else. This is, this is true revival. It's about the purification of the temple. Now, that being said, thinking about the vaccine, thinking about all of these things that could be in it, whether we're dealing with cow blood, pig blood, aborted fetal tissue, whatever the case may be, can you introduce that into your body? Absolutely not. It is forbidden. In fact, Jesus takes this stuff so seriously that he's ready to wipe out believers uh, in the book of Revelation for this very issue. As you read about the seven churches and you read about Pergamos and, and Thyatira, uh, he's ready to take them out. He's ready to kill them, kill their children with death because they're eating food offered to idols. And so, you know, carrying this attitude is is very scary to me where Gentile Christians who've come into the faith of Jesus have so little value over what we put in our bodies or don't take it seriously as it's as though it's not a big deal. Uh, the only people that do that, number one, they either just don't know, which is understandable, or they simply don't take the fact that we are supposed to be the purified holy temple of the living God. 
right? Kedoshim to you, ki kadosh ani Adonai lehechem. In other words, you're to be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And so if we have any concept of holiness whatsoever, this is something you take very seriously when you recognize you're the temple. I'm not bringing anything unclean, abominable, nothing to defile the temple and to separate me from God. I'm not doing it. This stuff is serious, but guess what? Guess who wants to do that? The Antichrist. He wants to come and he wants to defile the temple of God, the temple which you are. I want to share an article with you that was written by a scholar. Because I want to show you uh, the flip side, the kind of an, an opposing view of looking at the COVID-19 vaccine as being, you know, and he doesn't use these words, but ridiculous. To even consider this is ridiculous. Uh, nay, I say uneducated. And so I, I want to I want to take you and I want to show you some of what he has to say. This is just a small part of his article. But he says, I know of no reputable biblical scholar or theologian who would endorse that the COVID-19 quarantine or a vaccine is related to the mark of the beast. Okay? For starters, in Revelation, the mark of the beast is by no means a medical procedure. Most likely, it's not even a physical or visible mark at all. And there's debate on this, just so you know, even amongst scholars, uh, whether or not it is going to be a physical mark or not. I will concede to the reality that it doesn't have to be a physical mark to be the mark of the beast. And so in, in this respect, I, I can totally stand with him and appreciate uh, where he's coming from. Uh, continuing on. Uh, contrary to some of the more fear-inducing theories that have in the past gained steam in some evangelical circles, the mark is not uh, at all something that could be taken accidentally either. I struggle with what he's saying here. And, and, and let me explain why I struggle with what he's saying, or at least how he articulated it. And in the sense, he's portraying that, you know what, nobody's going to accidentally take this. And, and he, obviously, let's read between the lines for a second. Uh, I, I think he's alluding to the fact that there certainly could be some Christians that could accidentally take uh, the vaccine. My only concern is this, that we are warned time and time again, over and over, about deception. When someone is deceived, clearly they're not intentionally going out, per se, in their mind and rebelling against God. In a perfect example is Matthew 7, 21 and subsequent verses, where you have Christians standing there on the day of judgment, calling him by name, calling Jesus by name, Lord, Lord. And, and Jesus responds, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father. And then the response is, wait a second. Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many wonders in your name. And he's going to turn back and say, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Depart from me. Get away from me. Now, here's the thing. There is nothing in that illustration that suggests that they had any other thought in their mind other than getting into the kingdom of heaven. And yet, they were totally deceived. 
they were completely and utterly deceived and were warned, and we talked about this many times with even within this series itself, that all the false prophets that would come in, that many would depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. This this thing would happen. We were we're, we're, we're being warned for a reason so that we don't fall like that. And the deception would be so great that if it were possible, even the elect, the ones written in the Lamb's book of life that refuse to compromise would be deceived. If it were possible. If it were possible. And so, continuing on, he says this. Why? Because the mark of the beast is a mark that is closely tied to the worship of the beast. Interesting. Thus, the mark of the beast is a mark of loyalty and devotion to the beast. Now, this statement, uh, explicitly, I 100% am in agreement with, that the mark of the beast is absolutely tied to the worship of the beast. And really, what the mark is all about, it's the cause and effect. It's the effect of the worship. No question about it. Right? Well, let's think about this for a moment. And let's let's bring this to its logical conclusion. Could the acceptance of a vaccine in any way be construed as an act of worship? If if this is a, and it is this is a legitimate point of contention that needs to be raised. If we're going to look at the COVID nineteen as a potential candidate for the mark of the beast, well, it's got to be able to hold water in regard to this. In other words, how could this vaccine in any way be considered an act of worship? Well, here's some food for thought. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, we read the following. For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread, meaning Jesus, obviously. Observe Israel after the flesh are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. Now think about that. So like in a sacrifice, let's just run through this hypothetical. An offeror, in, uh, you know, a regular Israelite comes in, he's going to come in, he's going to make an, a peace offering, okay? And he brings his peace offering. Well, the Lord, the fat and all that stuff is going to be given to the Lord. It's dedicated to the Lord. It's burned on the altar. Uh, there's going to be a portion of it that is given to the priest. And then there's also a portion of it that is given to the offeror himself. They all get to partake of the sacrifice. Now listen to me carefully. When the priests partake of the sacrifice of the altar, when the, when the layperson from Israel is partaking of the sacrifice, are they not partaking from the altar of God? In other words, this is an act of worship. The altar is one of the greatest symbols of worship you will find anywhere in Scripture. I mean, that is the definition of worship. You are there for no other reason than to worship God, than to fulfill, than to pay homage to Him. And so very much so when you're partaking of the sacrifices, this is what's happening. Verse 19, What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? No, rather, that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. In other words, you cannot eat meat that has been offered to idols. 
It matters. Why? Because you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. So bringing in all this defiled food into our temples, which is obviously the temple of God, understand it's an abomination. This is absolutely an abomination of God. Consider the following headline. Satanic temples raffles free abortion says killing unborn babies is ultimate offering to Satan. It's the ultimate offering to Satan. So, if in fact this COVID-19 vaccination carries MRC5 or WI38 or any other variation where these vaccines are being developed in aborted fetal tissue in these cell lines and you inject that into your body what are you legitimately doing you are partaking of that which has been offered to the devil to satan himself you're now bringing that filth into the temple of god that is an abomination we are not called to do this so this idea or notion that the COVID-19 vaccination has nothing to do with worship, it doesn't work. I'm all for making any argument that we can to say, no, sorry, it's phony. This is just another gimmick. This is more sensationalism, blah, blah, blah. But you can't do it in regard to this vaccination. If, in fact, all of these ingredients that we're talking about, uh, any one of them are found in it. You have a problem, all right? I want to take you to Isaiah. And it's interesting, and you won't forget it when you see this, but Isaiah 66, verse 16. And so I highlighted the 666, not to create some conspiracy here in regard to the passage. Please don't go there, but so that you remember this verse. And what it reads is this. What matters in this verse is what we're going to read. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens after an idol in the midst, what do they do? They eat swine's flesh. And the abomination, oh, and the mouse, shall be consumed together, says the Lord. What was that list that Dr. Mikovits started talking about? It was all about this. Um, and not just aborted fetal tissue cell lines, but cow blood, pig blood um, cells from um, Vero monkey kidney cells is where we grow currently our um, polio vaccine. So we're used to pass um, the meso, the polio um, virus, the enterovirus, um, through mouse brains. Unbelievable. I mean, she literally quotes, if you will, Isaiah 66, 16, which keep in mind is future judgment upon all flesh. All flesh. Future judgment on all flesh is going to come upon, and the things that are listed is, is the things that came into their temples, that came into their bodies. They're eating swine's flesh, an abomination, and the mouse. Do do you, are you going to really try to convince me that it just so happens that these vaccines are being developed in these things 
whether we're talking about monkey kidneys, whether we're talking about mouse brains, whether we're talking about uh, pig blood, cow blood. Do you think? Do you think that this is a coincidence? That it's an accident? Not a chance. This is absolutely the work of the devil. First Corinthians chapter three verse sixteen. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Might want to consider this before you take the vaccination. This reality, it holds true. And this is, this is an echo of Isaiah 66, 16. It echoes that. Now, what does the Apostle Paul tell us in Colossians 3.16? He tells us, that I didn't put it up here, forgive me, but he tells us that we are to teach and admonish one another in psalms and in hymns. We're to teach one another in the psalms. I want to I listen to the Apostle Paul, and I want to implement his strategy, uh, especially in this context. And I want to take you to Psalm 29, and this is what we read. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now here's what's fascinating. I want to take you to Leviticus. In Leviticus 20, we read this. And you shall be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy. And have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Do you want to know what's so fascinating about Leviticus 20, about this passage? Guess what it talks about? Leviticus 20 literally talks about, this, the entire chapter is filled with it. It's filled with the discussion of committing sexual immorality and what would constitute uh, being sexually immoral. Oh, and eating clean food. Eating food that is proper, not bringing that which is an abomination into your temple, like that of the pig or like that of the mouse. These things are not to come into the temple of God. Literally the things we read about in Acts 15, and yet the very things we see being pushed in the vaccine today. Absolutely frightening when you start to see this stuff from a scriptural standpoint. We don't need a bunch of sensationalism and a bunch of opinions, but when we look at this at the, through the lens of Scripture, hell has been unleashed on the world. And I mean, that's what we see. We see what, what Lot saw in Sodom before it was destroyed, where he tormented his righteous soul, seeing and hearing of their lawless deeds. Tormented him. He saw it for what it was. Now, jumping back to our story in the Maccabees, they were to make themselves abominable by every unclean and profane, everything unclean and profane, so that they would forget the law and change all the ordinances. It's interesting because you go back to, the, to Daniel. Go back to the, the book of Daniel and the prophecy and what would happen. In chapter 7, it says, it talks about how he would come and seek to change times and law. He would seek to implement these radical changes. And the radical changes are going to require you to compromise your faith. That's the reality. 
And it's the reality of what we're looking out our front window to today. I mean, quite literally. Verse 54. They also built, or I'm sorry, verse 52. Uh, Many of the people, everyone who forgot, forsook the law, joined them, and they did evil in the land. Again, one of the scariest things is when when you see what's going on here is that people succumb to this. They willingly go along with the program just running away from the law, not even considering what God has saying for the sake of the pressure, for the sake of the fear, for the sake of the intimidation. This is what happens. Verse 54 now. They also built altars in the surrounding towns of Judah and offered incense at the doors of the houses and in the streets. Well, we have altars all over the place today. Implemented by the devil himself called Planned Parenthood Centers. We have this all over the place. No question about it. But the insanity continues. Verse 56. The books of the law. This is all the righteousness, the holiness, the instruction manual of God for us. The books of the law that they found, they tore to pieces. Oh, and they burned with fire. So get this. When the spirit of Antichrist rolls into town, one of the things that you will absolutely see This is his modus operandi. He will come in and he will start destroying. We know he casts truth to the ground, but here we literally see he starts burning the books of the Bible. This is what he does. Do we see anything like that today? You better believe we do. Because today we have what is, we're burning American flags and we're burning Bibles on our streets. This is what is happening. How many of you could have ever imagined that something like this was even possible to do in our country? But now it's a reality. The hatred we see for this country, that that hatred towards democracy and freedom, the Constitution for our own countrymen, for our church, for righteousness, for holiness. It's at an all-time high. We've never seen anything like it. We're living in an antichrist nightmare. Bibles are being burned. This is exactly what I would expect to see if the Antichrist has been unleashed. And now we're actually sacrificing pigs, burning them on the altar of the American flag. This is what Antiochus Epiphanes did. You cannot convince me that the spirit of Antichrist has not been unleashed on this nation. You will never convince me of that. Because right now, where we are at is we are at a place where the womb of this once virtuous woman known as the United States of America, she is now turned into the belly of the beast. This woman is filled with all these abominations. She's filled with immorality. She's filled with fornication, witchcraft, violence, and hatred. We're a nation that no longer has the ability to peacefully assemble. The same spirit that we saw moving in the second century BC, this move, real move of an antichrist, it is here today. And we need to get serious about our faith. Last verse I'm going to show you out of the Maccabees. They kept using violence against Israel. 
Spirit of Antichrist rolls up in town. What do you expect? It's going to get hotter and hotter. The pressure is going to get more and more intense. There's going to be more and more persecution. They will keep bringing violence. Our streets are covered with it right now. It's, it's unbelievable. It's erupting all over the world. Now is the time. I, I can't overemphasize. Now is the time to get back, to humble yourself before God, to pray, to seek his face, to confess your sins, to turn from your wicked ways, calling upon the name of Jesus for salvation, getting back to praying and fasting, getting into the word of God, getting serious about your faith because right now the temperature is serious. The things that are happening are biblical. They're apocalyptic, may I say. And it's going to get more and more intense. You've got to get grounded in your faith. Whatever you think is important in the world, scrap it, cut it, cut it loose. Whatever things that are traumatizing you, that are causing you to be fearful and heart, that are controlling you, However the devil is moving against you to control you, to own you, cut it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning on your own understanding. All your ways you acknowledge him, and he will be your God.